0: Alright, uh, we're going to get moving here. Uh, hello and welcome to episode 75 of the Sports Brief Podcast. As me and Tristan get going here, we're just going to go ahead and make sure we share the live stream. Uh, make sure you guys, those of you that watch us on YouTube, you guys can always get our latest uh, live episodes on Facebook. Uh, or as my dad lovely, 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 I don't know if that's a word, calls it Spacebook. Uh, but once again, we do appreciate you guys for, jo- uh, for coming along. I'm just going to go ahead and make sure that we share real quick and then we're going to get moving. So, um, first of all, Tristan, good to have you back, my man. How you been?
1: It's good to be here. It's been uh, a couple weeks at least since we've done our last episode and we got the draft coming up later this month. So uh, certainly got some things to talk about and exciting off season ahead of us.
0: Yeah, uh, definitely, man. I'm, I'm actually really excited for what the draft will hold um, and a lot of the, the different things that will go with that. So um, we're going to start here uh, with a couple of different things. Um, first of all, uh, we're going to ask by starting you guys to like and subscribe down below. Leave a like and a comment. It helps people find the show. Uh, we greatly appreciate all the support we've gotten. Uh, and once again, make sure you guys like and subscribe because uh, we're, we're we're getting it. We're getting it. We, we appreciate the support. So without further ado, let's jump into this thing, my man. Um, we were going to start with talking about some Packers um, draft and, uh, scenarios and, and, and the like. But I feel like we really have to cover this Sam Darnold trade uh, and kind of go over it. Now, the Sam Darnold trade, uh, to me... I'm not going to lie to you, my man. I was shocked because I had felt that the Jets didn't need a quarterback. Uh, and frankly, I felt they needed everything else but a quarterback, uh, to be honest with you. I felt Sam Darnold was was talented enough to take them to that next level. But with the addition of Robert Sala, I think we can both agree that maybe a lot of people and, and maybe some, one, you probably saw a lot of change coming. Um, I personally did not. Now, uh, to kind of go back a little bit, uh, the Sam Darnold was traded um, – uh, once he, he was the former third third overall pick in 2018 uh he was traded for three draft picks to the carolina panthers a sixth rounder uh this year and then uh, a second round draft pick and a fourth rounder and both in next year's draft so a lot going on and, and certainly a trade i think that baffled a lot of us for me i was shocked i still am uh, still uh in disbelief um what has been your reaction um to that trade and just kind of uh, just as it unfolded
1: Yeah, I was surprised, too. I was on the same boat that uh, they didn't need a quarterback. Um, Obviously, we knew they needed a new head coach. Um, They got that taken care of with somebody who I think is going to be a very good head coach. Um, And it kind of just looked like they needed pieces here and there. But it looked like they had a good quarterback, a promising quarterback who, if you built around, your team was going to be okay. So I did not see that coming. I did not think Sam Donald would get traded. I don't think he should have been traded. But... You know the Jets do have the number two pick in the draft, so there's a there's a few quarterback prospects that are that look really good, and Silla must like one of them that he's pretty certain he's going to get. Um, whether it's Lawrence or Zach Wilson or Fields, uh, e- either one of those guys, I think, is. You know it's hard it's hard to say it would be an upgrade from Darnold because it'll be their first year in the league, and you know it, things will probably go a little rough for him maybe, but. They're they're definitely more electric athletes than Sam Darnold, for sure. Uh, It's just hard. I don't know. I think they're they're taking too big of a risk. I mean, you had the number two pick anyways without trading Sam Darnold. You could have just drafted a quarterback anyways. If you really wanted a different quarterback, let Darnold play until you see something you don't like and then try your new guy out. Let him learn a little bit. But I don't know. Uh, Pretty Pretty interesting trade. I don't think there wasn't even really any conversation about it. I don't think anybody really had any idea they were even exploring trading him until it happened. I didn't hear anything about it. Um, Yeah, just surprising. But uh, I trust Selah and uh, what he's doing. So uh, I'm excited to see who they draft and uh, throw into the fire as the starter.
0: Certainly. and Personally, my man, I I think a couple things. Number one, the the Jets, rather, are clearly in rebuild mode. However, my thing is uh, they've been in rebuild mode for the last couple of years, I feel like. Um, yeah, I saw,
1: I saw an infographic. I don't know if it's 100% accurate. Just saw it out there. Like, the last 10 first-round picks for the New York Jets aren't even on the team anymore. Like, all the first-round picks for, like, the last 10 years don't even play there anymore. Um, I just thought that was interesting.
0: Yeah, and I'm thinking, you know, at the end of the day... The Jets not only have to figure out what's going on in terms of their franchise, but I do, I do, I stand by my, my saying that uh, Robert Saylor is a great hire for them. I think he's going to really transform that defense. Um, but I think a lot of people kind of thought that it really is about finding their quarterback. I thought Sam Darnold was the guy. Um, my next question is uh, getting off the Jets topic a little bit. Um, do you personally think that Sam Darnold can revive his career in Carolina?
1: Mm, I don't know. It's gonna be it's gonna be hard do, to to do so. I think um, you're getting plays somewhere. That's I mean, you have Christian McCaffrey. I don't really know who they have at receiver, and, but nobody they're, that they're, good.
0: I mean, they've got they've got quite a few. I'm gonna uh, get them uh, up here real quick because I just had them up. Uh, but the Panthers actually have quite a few weapons. Uh, weapons, excuse me. They've got. I mean, you just uh, covered it. Christian McCaffrey, who I think, if he can stay healthy, I think I, I've said this from the beginning, the very, very beginning. I think he makes them a franchise or a, a playoff team, rather. Uh, especially when you consider the fact that that's what their offense is built upon: is running the football and uh, taking good care of the uh, taking good care of it. So, um, when you got a guy like uh, Teddy Bridgewater, who um, I think is a perfect stopgap quarterback. I don't know if he's uh, a franchise quarterback at this point in his career anymore, but I do think that he is certainly a, a very good uh, quarterback uh, to at least stop the gap there. Now they got Curtis Samuel. Uh, they had two 1,000 yard receivers last year in DJ and Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore with Teddy Bridgewater as their starting quarterback. So um, they also had Mike Davis, uh, Ian Thomas. Now uh, in terms of and Curtis Samuel, who uh, had over 850 yards receiving, there is weapons on this Panthers team. Now, their defense is actually comprised of a lot more guys that I'm really more excited about. We talk about guys like Shaq Thompson, Jeremy Chin, who I think should have been uh, or at least should be in the conversation for defensive player of the year next year. Um, you know, you, got, you talk about uh, even Brian Birds, the guy that had his nine sacks last year. There's there's talent on this team, specifically uh, on the defensive side of the football and two 1,000-yard receivers. If Teddy Bridgewater can have 1,000 yard receivers, I mean – Basically, I, I do think, unfortunately, that Sam Darnold is a better quarterback than Teddy Bridgewater in terms of arm strength, accuracy, because um, I think we even alluded to last season, my man, you, you saw a lot of good things in, in Sam Darnold. He'd make a throw that would wow you. Uh, and like I said, I, I think there's a lot of good qualities left in Sam Darnold with thoughts.
1: Yeah, I agree that Sam Darnold is certainly a step up from Teddy Bridgewater. Not a knock on Teddy. I hope they keep him and use him somehow. Uh, whatever happens to him, I hope it plays. But... Yeah, they, they certainly have weapons, and it's it's pretty surprising to see them have two thousand yard receivers with Teddy Bridgewater, let alone one. Um, that's it's just not a knock on Teddy. I mean, when you have Christian, I know he was out for a while, but uh, yeah, they definitely have pieces. Their defense is okay; it's not bad. Um, hopefully, Donald. I don't know because it's just going to be their head coach's second year. Um, usually, you you like to have the same quarterback. When you're going through that transition but uh hopefully if sam donald can learn quick i don't think i'll have much of a problem and i think this team will be a lot improved from last year especially with the healthy christian mccaffrey they got those stud receivers so i i think they're going to be okay i think they're probably looking at uh i i personally think this is a playoff team um i think sam donald's quite a bit underrated in my perspective, I think if he has the good protect, I mean, he made last year probably one of the top five throws I've ever seen in my life, um, mm-hmm. and I'm an Aaron Rodgers fan, so I've seen yeah. A lot and of so good four ones.
0: of them were Aaron Rodgers. That's what I was just gonna say. Is like, <laughs>
1: um, but his arm, his arm is special. And uh, I remember before the actual season started, his rookie year, when he was playing a preseason. I thought he was going to be an MVP candidate watching him sling it. I mean, granted it's preseason and you're playing against the junior varsity defense, but, uh, he's, he's special. And I feel like with proper protection, a good system, a good coach, people that believe in him and a build around him, uh, they're, they're probably going to go to the playoffs. Don't, don't be surprised.
0: Yeah. Um, and like I said, I think there's a lot coming for Sam Donald and especially for the Panthers. Uh, I think this is a great trade because I think they were in the market for a quarterback. Now I don't, I almost I question now, they've got Teddy, they've got P.J. Walker, they've got Sam Darnold. P.J. Walker, by the way, uh, I believe showed out quite a bit. I believe it was the AFL. I can't remember off the top of my head, but showed out quite a bit there. So they've got no shortage of quarterbacks, I think. Uh, but Sam Darnold, I think, uh, with their weapons could be something very special. Now, let's switch our focus here to the Packers. Now, I know that the Packers, um, like the Vikings, I, I think there's some positions they can uh, that they can look at in the draft and know that they can upgrade. In terms of the Packers, uh, give me a couple players that uh, that really fall to you guys in a dream-type scenario that you guys really, in essence, need to target.
1: Hmm. In, in a dream scenario, well, first of all, let's start with their needs and the way I think they're going to draft versus how I want them to draft. Um, I think their number one and two priorities are going to be defensive line and inside linebacker. Mm. Um I think they're going to draft defensive line or an inside linebacker first. I would like them to draft a cornerback first or a weapon, a wide receiver maybe, perhaps. Maybe help, help your boy out a little, maybe. Who knows? Probably not. Not going to happen. <laughs> uh, if it hasn't happened yet, it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but in a dream scenario, the players that I'd like to see fall to Green Bay, you know, Brian Gutekis has been really aggressive in his last few years as GM. He's traded up in every single first round, um, not a whole lot, just around five, six, seven spots, which it's it's okay. But I'd like to see him if they could land Zayvon Collins, linebacker from Tulsa. I think I really like him. He can he can pressure the quarterback. He can fly around. You know, that's a player that, in my dream scenario, they could get. He's probably going to go around between 15 and 20. I don't think Green Bay will move up that far from number 29. So I don't think that'll happen. Uh, Greg Newsome, uh, defensive back from Northwestern, if they could somehow trade up, he'll probably end up going around 20, between 15 and 20. Um, he'd be another one I'd like to see. Really good receivers in this draft, a few of them. Um and one or two of them will probably fall into the mid-20s. Uh, what's his name? Hold on, I'm looking. Kadarius Tony from Florida. He's, he's a receiver I think will be available when the Packers pick. If they have to move up for Tony, they'll probably only have to move up two or three spots, which I think they'd do for him. And I know they met with him, so I know they're interested in him. So that'd be interesting to see him go after a wide receiver in the first round. But dream scenario, would be one of those linebackers. A linebacker, I'm still pretty high on. That's not even talked about as a first rounder anymore. Is uh, the guy I mentioned, Jeremiah Owusu?
0: Joke? Yeah, yeah. I
1: from Notre that's Dame. A...
0: Yeah, yeah J. Okay, it's jo- joke, man. You get you know that. Come on.
1: Yeah, he's projected at least by CBS here to go like mid second round, which is surprising to me because I've I've watched the film, I have watched a lot of his highlights compared to these other guys in the draft. He seems just a talented. As the other guys, a little bit undersized compared to some of these guys, but I mean, we've seen in the last couple of years these undersized linebackers really almost be the best ones in the league. As yeah. long as you can fly sideline to sideline, you know, cover a receiver or a tight end occasionally, these are the guys that are going to succeed. And I feel like he's got the tools. I wouldn't be surprised if they they did one of those moves again where they they pick somebody you don't even think is worth taking in the first round because they're going to be there in the second round. I'd like, I'd like to see him go after him. I think he'd be a good asset. But, you know, they're probably going to do something dumb again this year, like they did last year. They'll probably draft a long snapper or a safety. <laughs> you know, something we don't need, like a quarterback. Uh, I <laughs> well, don't know. I, I don't know what to expect from the Packers in the draft anymore. I'm just hoping they go defense, interior defense. That's really all I really care about. Maybe a receiver and, like, the – no, they're probably gonna draft offensive line before a receiver because they just let uh, old boy at Lindsley walk. But mm-hmm. um, I don't know, they got a lot of needs.
0: Well and it's funny you mentioned O line because I actually I through the draft process, I mean we talk about Trey Smith, we talk about Quinn Minores, uh yeah. I mean, there's a lot uh, – Creed Humphrey, there's a lot of good talent at center and interior offensive line, specifically in the later rounds of the draft. And, of course, there's there's clearly a uh, first-round guys, but there's also a lot of depth guys uh, that you can get in the third and fourth round and be okay. Uh, I think Creed Humphrey is a guy the Vikings need to look at as well uh, on the flip side of that, and, and the Packers as well. I think he would be a, a very welcome addition. Landon Dickerson uh, as well as another guy. Uh, I, I think there's a lot of players – in this or uh, uh, interior offensive linemen, where you almost can't go wrong, uh, in terms of when you get out of that third and fourth round, it will get in more into the fourth round, excuse me, and out of the first and second. So, um, I think there's a lot of value players here that could p- surprise a lot of people. Um, I personally, uh, in terms of a dream draft scenario for the Vikings, I, I'm a little confuzzled by what the Vikings have done in, thus far in free agency because. Tristan, I'm not kidding. You. They have done some some great things. Uh, we talk about uh, – y- you look at the things in terms of a cornerback. They brought in Patrick Peterson. Uh, you know, they brought in Dalvin Tomlinson, who I think is going to be a very good defensive tackle, run-stopping, and uh, pass-rushing defensive tackle for the Vikings. You consider all those things. They've done some good things in free agency so far. They really have. Um, and, and trading for Mason Cole, I mean, I'm okay with it. But at the end of the day, he's not going to be as much of a game-changer as many people think. However – I am actually very excited uh, until until they signed Dakota Dozier. Tristan, of course, we're going to bring back a guy that uh, an over 1,000 pass rushing snaps. I'm going to be fair to him. Had over nine penalties, allowed over six sacks, multiple uh, over 40 pressures. I mean, just I've seen the Vikings do some questionable things. But um, I felt like one of the least graded, worst graded, I think he was below a 45 PFF grade according to PFF, or at least close, below a 50 for sure. One of the lowest-graded offensive linemen in, in, in PFF and on the team, and you bring him back. That's an insult to many different players, and in, in, including the other four guys on the offensive line. So I'm very confuzzled on what they're going to do. The Vikings have to go after guards. Um, I think they, they, in, as far as I'm concerned, Tristan, they have no starting offensive guards right now. I think they should move Ezra Cleveland to left tackle. They have two spots at both guard spots they need to fill because uh, Dakota, does, if he starts again, um, as the Purple for the Win podcast would say, we riot because there is no reason, no reason after what you get, you saw you have an entire game film, entire season of game film on a guy like Dakota Dozier. And if you start him for another season, it's a disgrace to not only the fan base, not only the franchise, but also the offensive line as a whole. They cannot start Dakota Dozier again. So um, in terms of what a dr- dream scenario, it, it really, to me, it is somehow, you know, Elijah Vera Tucker. Uh, maybe sliding into the second round, even though I highly doubt that he's a first-round talent. Um, Even maybe Penny Sewell. I think you could play Penny Sewell just about anywhere. Um, And I really think that the Vikings are actually in a really good spot at 14. They could trade up if they want to. They could trade down because this is a deep draft. There are a lot of guys I like. Uh, at guard spots. Um I mean, I even talked about Ben Cleveland, uh the, the the guard out of Georgia. I really like him. I think he's got to, you know, add maybe a little bit more to his anchor, but I think that there's a lot of talent here for the Vikings as well to order to be they're in the sweet spot if you ask me. Now, back to the Packers. Um, I think the Packers really are in a good spot, too. if you think about Kadarius Tony,, uh, he's an electrifying wide receiver. Hey, correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like the Packers have some deep threat, guys. If you get a short, uh, fast guy like Kadarius Tony in there, uh, that you put a one on one on one with him in the slot. That's a tough matchup. Uh even if even though he's just a rookie, or he would be just a rookie for the Packers, that's a very intriguing matchup. Um what about guys that on the flip side of that, Tristan, that you think might be out of reach?
1: Hmm like you said with Tony, um, we Green Bay's really been lacking that uh good slot present since Randall Cobb left. Um, they haven't really had anybody to go short, fast over the middle. Uh, so I'd I'd love to get Tony in there or some slot receiver of some sort that won't drop passes. Um, <laughs> that'd be nice because <laughs> the last two years in a row, Aaron Rodgers has led the league in uh, I think it was dropped. It was something about yardage for drop passes or something. Mainly because of freaking Marquez Valdez Scantling dropping all the deep passes, but. Tony, I'd love to see him get Tony. They'd probably have to trade up a couple picks to get him. And like you were saying with the Vikings and the offensive linemen, this is an interesting draft because they're at 14 or 15. 14. 14 is an interesting spot because with the linemen that are there, you probably don't even need to trade up or
0: to I get a good I don't one. think so. Yeah, I really don't think they do because I think it really does come down to what they want to give up. And I, for the amount of depth that there is in the later rounds in the Vikings, I believe have multiple thirds and fourths. So at the end of the day, I, I really truly honestly feel the Vikings don't need to really trade up or down specifically from 14. I think there's a – especially because, Tristan, first pick is going to be a quarterback. It's going to be Trevor Lawrence – or it should be Trevor Lawrence. should be. Second pick is going to be either Zach Wilson or Trevor Lawrence. And the third pick, I mean, I think we can both infer that the, the, the 49ers are probably going to go quarterback too. They probably are going to go quarterback. Why would they trade up all the way up? Uh, I, I think it's going to be definitely a quarterback. I, as to who that is, I don't know whether it's Trey Lance, Mac Jones. Uh, it could be a number. I, I mean, it could, well, it couldn't be a number, but I mean Trey Lance, uh, Mac Jones. Um, so and I mean, Trey Lance, too. So uh, there's a lot of different players there. Uh, you know that, uh, I think maybe I mentioned Trey Lance twice. doesn't matter. Point is there's a quarterbacks in the NFL, uh, or excuse me, in the draft here, specifically at that number three spot that could go. Um, and then there's, that means a lot of talent is going to fall. We're talking about Jamar Chase, Penny Sewell. Uh, there's uh, Kyle Pitts, the Vikings could maybe even get in, even though I don't think they should, because they've got, they've got weapons. That's not an issue. So there's a lot of weapons, uh, and a lot of good players that could fall to the Vikings at 14. My concern is specifically them getting into the second round. Um, personally, a dream scenario for the Vikings go after Richie Grant in the second round. The 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 safety I believe at the University of Central Florida. Um, I really like Richie Grant. Uh, we we talk about guys that uh have an immediate impact uh, when they got into college. Uh, Richie Grant was it. Uh, you talk about uh, in terms of ball skills, everything. Uh, yep, University of Central Florida immediately came out. Uh, you know, had a set. Uh, excuse me, had a tackle for loss, uh, 32 tackles, had 108 tackles as sophomore year, six interceptions. Now that's some serious ball skills. Um, yeah. Now some people might be saying, you know, oh well, well, who just came out of the University of Central Florida? Well, Mike Hughes. I understand it, a little bit of an injury bug, but from what I've seen, from Mitchie Grant. I'm super excited. I think that the Vikings definitely need to trade up and back into the second round. So the question is, could they trade down and maybe get another quality offensive lineman? Maybe. There's a lot of different... Uh, even Tevin Jenkins, there's a lot of different scenarios I could see playing out here. However, um, I don't know what the Vikings are thinking. I, I don't think anybody really does. So at the end of the day, uh, the, the dream scenario for the Vikings, for me, is getting uh, Richie Grant in the second round because I know that they signed uh, Wilson from the Cowboys at safety, I believe. Uh, but, I mean, I just was... I'm not really thinking he's going to be a long-term answer. Um, but I do think that uh, you do need to plan for the future in this. And with that, uh, at the end of the day, you need to uh, – Xavier Woods, rather, excuse me. You need to be able to draft a guy opposite of Harrison Smith that will be there for the long term uh, and, and really equip your team. Now, uh, let's kind of move over back over to the Packers now. I know I've gotten kind of uh, kind of kerfuffled here. Um, what are your thoughts on them resigning Kevin King? I know there was a lot – of hate's a very strong word but there was a lot of opposition to the way the man played uh in the nfc championship game and just the way he finished out what are your thoughts on the on the packers resending kevin king
1: i'm not thrilled about it but you know it makes sense he's re- relatively cheap veteran guy who's led the team in interceptions the last couple of years uh So, I mean, it makes sense to keep him, especially if you want to draft a corner, he's going to need to learn from somebody. Um, The other guys we got are all young, too, and it it makes sense. I mean, after what happened in the NFC Championship game, um, it kind of surprised me they didn't just let him walk. Mm -hmm. Maybe he wasn't receiving really any offers, and he took a really cheap offer from Green Bay, which – it looked like the way it's the way it's structured. It looked like a pretty team-friendly deal. It was only a, a couple, like two or three million dollars towards the cap, which, you know, it's nothing. But I don't know. I have mixed feelings about it. If he comes back to bite us in the butt again next year, somehow, um, <laughs> they'll look back on it and look back at it and wish they wouldn't have. But I don't know. I like him. He's he's got good ball skills when he decides to show up. Um, I don't know, man. It's just—it's one of those weird. It's like what you were talking about earlier with the Vikings. One of those weird things your team decides to do where you're, yeah, resending
0: Dakota Dozier. Like what? I.
1: Mm. Yeah, it's one of those questionable moves. But you know, if the team the team likes what they see, and I mean, he's led the team in picks uh, multiple times. Uh, his coverage usually isn't that bad. That game was—it was pretty much an anomaly for Kevin King. But usually, what he's really bad at is tackling. Usually he doesn't blow coverage just that bad. So I could see why they would just look past that game and give him another chance. But, you know, it's, it is what it is. Maybe I'm glad we at least have a reliable, somewhat reliable cornerback still on that side, and Kevin King, a somewhat suspect cornerback. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. I wasn't, I wasn't happy about it, but I'm not mad about it. It's whatever.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I think it, it, like you said, it's just kind of a questionable thing our teams tend to do. Uh, I personally was very shocked, especially for how he performed uh, in the in the NFC Championship game last year. And um, I, I, I realized that there's, especially like specifically with the Vikings, who have basically no depth at guard. I can understand to a degree why they would bring back Dakota Dozier. But if it's to start and if it's the same, the flip side with the Packers, if it's Kevin King is going to start, something is up. Like you, you can't see a way that either player played last year and, and expect anything to happen. Um, our boy Nate, Nate Jones is watching. Appreciate it, my man. Good to have you on. Um, so there's a couple different ways that those players. I, I, I Tristan, I'm still enamored by how the Vikings resigned to Kona Dozier. I, I, I've seen it all. I have seen it all, my friend. Uh, and the way that it went down, I just. I don't know man it's it's really not good uh and I, I felt like maybe the, I, the the Dakota Dozier resigning was uh, was the same to the Packers. like you know those things we did in elementary school this is to this as this is to this yeah that's what that tr- that resigning was to your guys so it's whatever man so um l- let's go right, right right here though um this is a big question that I think as a Packers fan I know you have answered this question a couple times uh in the past but the idea of Aaron Rodgers retiring as a Packer, I think, has many people questioning it because if you think about this last year, uh, they drafted um, a quarterback, which I I think uh, I don't, I don't, I don't think a lot of people expected that. Um, But and then you saw Aaron Rodgers play like a potential MVP candidate. uh, Well, he was an MVP, but point is, I really don't know the question of if he is going to retire. Um, So, Tristan, I'm going to stop dropping the ball here. Do you really think that the, the Aaron Rodgers is going to retire as a Packer?
1: He's going to retire as a Packer on a one-day contract. He's not going to finish his career in Green Bay, though, playing. Um, so, yes and no. I feel like he'll end up somewhere else and finish his playing days somewhere else. But I feel like it'll be one of those things where he comes back and signs a one-day deal to retire as a Packer um, just because you'd expect it of him almost, just like Favre. And uh, Jordy Nelson, a lot of other guys that were iconic Packers. I don't know though because I've you gotta think there's some bitterness in the relationship there between the front office and Aaron Rodgers. Um, he was on the Pat McAfee show two days ago, and they asked Dude, him. Dude, he's about on there him. all
0: the time. That in Jeopardy these days, man. I didn't know he could host Jeopardy. Good for him.
1: Yeah, he's actually hoping he can do it full time
0: uh, mm-hmm.
1: and play football at the same time, which would be pretty interesting. It would. Be. But <laughs> but yeah, I mean. It's crazy. This after this next season, um, he, re- he poses relatively zero cap threat to the Packers if they were to cut him. Um, the dead money would go from thirty million to sixteen million, so that's you know they'd it'd be cut in half. Uh, it just depends what Jordan Love does in preseason. Depends what Aaron Rodgers does during the season. If if he does what he does last year. And throws a wrench in their plans. Obviously, they, they thought Aaron was declining, probably, and they thought maybe it's okay, time for him, us to draft his replacement, let him learn for a year or two, and then move on. I, I guarantee they didn't think he was going to win MVP. Uh, there's no way they thought that was going to happen. Um, there's no way they think it's going to happen again this next year, but he probably won't MVP again, but uh, I think he's going to play really well. Um, just because that offense going into their third year gaining a couple more weapons i i don't see them getting any worse i see aaron playing just as well maybe better but it's just it's a weird thing technically he's under contract for three more years as we've talked about before but i sincerely think after this next season regardless of how he plays i think they're going to move on from him if he wins MVP, maybe he stays if they win a super bowl maybe he stays Uh, but I I don't think he'll be there after this year. Um, Maximum two years. I think this is his last year in Green Bay pretty realistically. Uh, But yeah, it just depends how how Love plays in the preseason. If he looks like he can play, then that'll probably confirm it, but I don't know, man. I don't think he's going to finish in Green Bay. Um, It's not looking like he can finish in Green Bay the way everything's laid out. Writing's on the wall. He's probably on his way out here pretty soon, but if he – when he leaves, there are a few teams – you know, the the situations will obviously be different next year, but uh, there's a few teams out there I'd like to see him go to. Chicago is one of my teams. I mean, obviously, I don't like Chicago, and I don't it, – it, it would hurt to see him go there, but at the same time, to see him go to an NFC rival, NFC North rival, similar to Brett Favre, and torture the Packers, it would be – it would just – it'd be beautiful to me just because of what they've done to him. I'm i am becoming less and less of a Packers fan and more and more of just an Aaron Rodgers fan every day just because of what they do. Um, resigning Kevin King, the person who really pretty much single-handedly lost to the NFC Championship game. Uh, I mean, the offense didn't do him any favors in the last half of that game, but they just – they say they get him help because they have Aaron Jones, because they have Devonta Adams, because they had Jordy, because they had Donald Driver, because they had Jermichael Finley. But how many of those guys did they go out and bring in to help them? They didn't go out and bring in anybody. They drafted them. They had them because they were cheap. And as soon as they got expensive, they let them walk, and they didn't bring anybody else in. So mm-hmm. I think the people who defend the Packers organization by saying they do help Aaron Rodgers are pretty misled. Uh, they – They work with what they have, and they end up having some great players. A, because Aaron Rodgers is one of the greatest of all time, and he can make receivers like that look phenomenal. Uh, We got pretty lucky with Aaron Jones having a receiver like that or a a running back that good. But it's all going to come to an end here in the next year or two, I think. And they're going to realize how good they had it with Aaron when they start Jordan Love and we start seeing – Eight and eight, or now eight and nine seasons, or nine and eight seasons, and missing the playoffs regularly, until they figure out Jordan Love is probably not the answer. Uh, mm-hmm. And while, in the meantime, Aaron Rodgers is in Chicago, going to the playoffs or elsewhere, maybe Minnesota. Okay. Uh, <laughs> it'd be a dream come true for you guys, but
0: I don't know. I don't know it, if it'd still be enough to win a Super Bowl, man. I really don't. I'm sorry, I hate to break it to you, but is as
1: I, long as they have a decent O line by then, maybe. But by then uh, the well, way it looks now? No.
0: That that's one of the most frustrating things for things for me as a Vikings fan. I'm gonna Tristan, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I'm gonna say something that a lot of Vikings fans might disagree with me on. The Vikings actually don't ignore the offensive line. If you look at the last couple of years, we talk about Pat line. we talk about uh Ezra Cleveland. We talk about, I mean, I'm not going in order here, but I mean we talk about there's there is a lot of players. I mean, uh Pet Offline, Ezra Cleveland, um Brian O'Neill. There's Garrett Bradbury. They don't ignore the offensive line. They just don't work out. Like Brian O'Neill actually was a former second-round draft pick out of Pittsburgh. He's actually playing like one of the better right tackles in the NFL. Um, Garrett Bradbury in his second year was a little bit of a disappointment, but I'm hoping maybe he can bounce back. And the Vikings don't have to go out and draft another center in the first round. Um, and also Ezra Cleveland, even though he never played a snap at guard in his life, was actually relatively promising last year. So from top to bottom. There's three out of the last four drafts you guys have res- semi respectable uh re- player, players at the very least. They don't ignore the offensive line. It's gonna becoming to me a question an issue of coaching. Is Brick Dennison not getting the job done? Is uh he not teaching them in, you know, in terms of anchor, hand placement, whatever it is? Because at a certain point, Tristan, you could draft – you could be the Cowboys. You could draft a, a, an offensive lineman in the next five years. Not saying that's necessarily what they did, but it was pretty close. You could draft an offensive lineman in the, in the first round for many years. And if you know they don't end up working out – or a, a, in the Vikings case, if they uh, don't perform, you got to look at – there's a reason they're drafted in the first round. It's because of athleticism, how I, they played at a, at a major uh, university. Like there's a reason they were drafted in the first round. If they aren't playing up to the level that they should, you have to look interior. You have to look at the coaching staff. And also maybe scheme fit. Uh, there's also things you got to look at there. So there's a lot of different things you have to look at, uh, to be honest with yourself. And I'm going to say it again for the people in the back. The Vikings are not ignoring the offensive line. The players just aren't playing up to their uh, to the, the, the draft stock that they, they should be. And or Rick Dennis is not getting the job done as the offensive line coach. Now, now I... <clears throat> Here's a couple of things I need to, uh, we need to go into now, that mistakes or or positions of need that our team cannot miss or neglect on in the draft. Um, I've been making you talk first all night, uh, so I'm gonna kind of go ahead And I'm I'm probably Tristan. I know with you specifically, I'm sounding like a broken record, but this is the truth. The Vikings cannot neglect or miss on a guard in this draft. Like I said earlier in the episode, they have to. They have to get at least two starting guards, uh, and, and maybe some more depth pieces. Tristan, I'm going to give you a hint on what I think the entire uh, – for most of the, the entire draft uh, should be. Guard, 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 guard. guard. That's literally – the, the, it should be seven out of ten draft picks should be guards because, like I said, I if Dakota dozer starts um, – now, if he plays well, good on him. But based on what we know, based on what the film we saw last year – if the Vikings do not draft at least a guard in the first uh, in the first three rounds, at least two of them. Scratch that. Nay, nay. Because I've been watching, um, "How I Met Your Mother" and Barney. No, nay. If they don't draft at least two guards in the first three rounds, this could be a very long year. And I know, I know that uh, the, the Vikings have a lot of. They brought in some guys and whatever. But the, the point remains. If you can't protect a $35 million a year quarterback in Kirk Cousins, if you cannot get Dalvin Cook some running lanes, if you cannot uh, run a, an effective play action because the, the defensive line is in your backfield before you can say pass the piece, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, because you, uh, you, it has been a long time. Tristan, it has been a long time since the Vikings have legitimately drafted a guard in the first round. I, it has been a long time. Uh, And it's been a long time, too, since they've had a quality guard. I'm honestly thinking, other than Brandon Fusco, I mean, we've had some spot starters like that have actually good played one or two good years. But long-term, like, guard, it has been since, like, 2007, like the Steve Hutchinson days, since we've had a good offensive, like, a a good guard. It really has been that long. So um, the Vikings cannot miss or neglect on guard in this draft. Now, again, I already know I said there's some guys in the fourth and fifth rounds. I understand it. But please, for the love of God, at least draft one, Elijah Vera Tucker, um, you know, even Landon Dickerson, I can see in the first or, or second round. Wyatt Davis, Wyatt Davis, please. I, I, I don't like begging Tristan, but if Wyatt Davis falls to the Vikings, uh, at the third round, which I don't think he will, cause he's a first round talent with a bad, uh, with an injured knee, if they can trade back in the second round, get Richie Grant and Wyatt Davis. Oh, that, that's a dream scenario. You want to talk about a dream scenario. So Wyatt Davis, Landon Dickerson, Elijah Vera Tucker, the list goes on and on. Uh, but at the end of the day, all offensive line. Uh, More specifically, guard is the main need in in the position of need, rather, that the Vikings cannot uh, miss out on or neglect. Uh, My man, what about the Packers?
1: I think the one position that if they don't pick in the first two rounds, uh, it's going to be pretty wild. I think it has to be defensive line. Interior defensive line, I think, is the biggest need on that team. Uh, number two being cornerback. They have good in, middle inside linebackers, one of which was a rookie last year, Kamal Martin out of Minnesota, who showed flashes of, you know, he could be pretty good, but he was he didn't play a lot. Uh, Chris Barnes was a rookie. He played really well. Um, Oren Burks played all right here and there. So they've got some inside linebackers that played okay. So that's why I think defensive line, interior defensive line, they didn't re-sign Snacks. Harrison, uh, which is surprising because he's probably pretty heckin' cheap. But <laughs> whatever. Defensive line. Uh, if not defensive line, cornerback. But, uh, yeah, I think defensive line is the one position they can't miss on. I think they should pretty be pretty aggressive in trying to get a good player at that position. Um, if they could trade themselves higher into the first round by a lot, like if they could go from 29 to around 15. Uh, I know it'll it'll take a lot of later picks given up, but uh, I think it'd be worth it if they could get somebody who can come in and make a difference. That's what they need. They can't just keep drafting guys that are gonna come play good and fill holes. They need guys that are gonna come play good and make a difference and be a be standout players if they really wanna if they're serious about winning a Super Bowl while they still have the best quarterback in the NFL, which I don't think they're very serious about. They've shown they're not very serious about it. So. Whatever. Into your defensive line, number one need.
0: Is there a specific defensive tackle that you're falling in love with? Because I know of at least three that come to mind.
1: Uh, Let me look at my thing here. There's Rashawn Slater from Northwestern. Uh, I think he'll probably. That's offensive
0: tackle, my man. Rashawn Slater is is offensive tackle.
1: You uh, caught me lacking. My bad. No worries.
0: Uh, I can can actually, because I actually know I've actually made that mistake with some of the tackles. A guy like uh, I think uh, not Christian Darisaw, uh, uh, Christian Barmore, I think from Alabama. I I was a guy that really uh, wanted him to go uh, to the Vikings, but when they just signed Delvin Tomlinson, I think Christian Barmore on the Packers would be scary. Like you talk about Kenny Clark and Christian Barmore. Oh man! Like even guys like even and, and I've been doing a lot of mock drafts lately, as as some of you may be watching. But I've been doing a lot of mock drafts, and I'm looking at it, and I I don't know why. But Jalen Twyman is falling into the fifth round, and he had over double-digit sacks last year for Pitt, So, or, or, or whatever it was. Listen, the point is, he is such a quick first-step guy that I think, you know, you've got your run stuffer in Kenny Clark. If you can even get a guy, uh, you know, like uh, like Twyman, or even like Marlon Tw- 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 2 I can't even say his name, but right. nobody can say his name right, and I respect those people that can. Um, there's very few defensive tackles I would draft in the second round. You know, you know Mar- uh, Marvin Wilson, I've got a lot of respect for. I think he actually could be. I know he didn't have a great senior bowl, but he could be actually something pretty special. Um, but the Packers, I think, have options when it comes to defensive tackle, whether it's the first round, the second round. Um, you know, Christian Barmore, I really think is the only first round defensive tackle I would I would cement. Um, but at the end of the day, if the Vikings are, excuse me, the Packers, if they want defensive tackles, I think that sweet spot is that third to fifth round, because there's quite a few defensive tackles um, that I actually fell in love with uh, in that third to fifth round range. You know, like I, I mentioned Twyman. For some reason, he's always going at 150, which doesn't make sense. Then they have they have him listed as an edge defender, which is a lie. It's a bold-faced lie. He is a defensive tackle. First step, quickness. Um, or the same number as, uh, maybe you might have heard of him, uh, um, Aaron Donald, but I mean, doesn't matter. I don't think he's the same player, but he's not. But he's a, a, a premier pass rusher in the NFL. So there's a couple of guys I think the Packers could definitely look at uh, in terms of uh, if you're looking for defensive tackles, especially to pair with a guy like Kenny Clark. You got anything to add, my man? No,
1: but I'm looking at a few different mock drafts right now, and a lot of them don't even have any defensive tackles going until really late in the first round. So, so are
0: we, What are we talking, like 29, 30? What are we talking
1: well, the mock draft I'm looking at right now is a CBS mock draft, and they don't have any defensive lineman to go going off the board until 22, and that's Quiddie Pay from Michigan.
0: Uh, uh, to a certain degree, I mean, because he's not a defensive uh, maybe they say a DN, but the point is he's not uh, he's not a defensive end. Quiddie Pay is a defensive or excuse me, he's not a defensive tackle; he's a defensive end.
1: Look at me, dude. I don't even know what I'm talking about. Well. The way it looks, there's not any defensive linemen going until late in the first round. So it looks like Green Bay will have some good options if they want to trade up um, into the early 20s to get one of the better ones they'll be able to. So, you know, this might be one of the years Green Bay just sits put and uh, takes the best available defensive linemen, defensive tackle, hopefully, preferably. They don't really need edge rushers. I think they're, they're okay there with the Smiths. But, yeah, it looks like they'll have options. Not a lot of teams before them need defensive tackle, it looks like. Um, Um, I don't pay a whole lot of attention to any other team, except for the teams that are right in front of Green Bay, uh, in the draft, but I'll pay a little more attention to it when it gets closer, but it looks like they're sitting in a good spot for defensive tackle.
0: Um, you know, I think, um, you know, that, that it could be the, the case. I think there's a lot of things, um. I, I think CBS probably lists him a defensive end. I can understand why you would think because the D is so confusing. Point is this there is a lot of uh, talent in the later rounds that I. I this is a, a tough draft in terms of drafting a defensive player. Uh, more specifically de- ter- uh, interior defensive linemen uh, in the earlier rounds because there's really not a lot. Uh, but there's a, a couple in the later rounds that I could be very excited about, and I think the Vikings or Packers or another NFL team should take complete advantage of that. So um, that's a that's a definitely an, an interesting thing. I think that the Packers are definitely not alone in the fact they need to go after a defensive tackle. I think there's a lot of teams that could be really excited about what they, what they see there. Um, Let's get into our final thing here, uh, promising players from the Chiefs and the Seahawks. Let's start with you, my man. Give me a player that you, you see as a Seahawks. Uh, well, I was going to say connoisseur, but you're not a Seahawks fan. Uh, give me a player uh, from the Seahawks that you see is uh, young, promising, and uh, people should be excited about.
1: Uh, from Seattle, it would be it'd be too easy to pick DK Metcalf. It would be mm-hmm. way too easy. Dude's yeah. electric, and he's what? He's gonna be going second to going into his year third player. year or second yeah. year. But, he was, uh,
0: Puna, oh, Ford, he was, he's in his third now. He's sorry. He's in his third year now. I apologize. I was wrong. Yeah.
1: sorry. Right. Puna, Puna Ford, defensive tackle is another good player who was he undrafted or was he,
0: Puna, uh, I want to say a second or third, third round. Let me, he might've been undrafted. Yeah, that's right. Puna Ford was undrafted. That's
1: yeah, right. Puna Ford was undrafted, but became one of the better defensive tackles in the league last year. Uh, you don't really see that. He started 11 games, 21 tackles. Uh, he had a 90.3 grade for his rookie season, which was first among all defensive rookies at all positions. Um, <laughs> it's not even drafted. So uh-huh. Puna, Puna Ford has got to be the guy. Um, cause I, I gotta be completely honest. I didn't even know about Puna Ford until I, I looked this stuff up on my phone. Mm-hmm. I was just like best young Seahawks players under 25. And then I get taken to this <laughs> article and it tells me about all these draft picks. And I look at the draft picks from the last year and, Puna Ford. I mean, haven't heard of the guy, but damn, he must be good.
0: I mean, <laughs> well, he is. I've I've watched a lot of tape on a guy like him. Uh, I thought the Vikings probably should have gone after him in the draft. Um, but I, I think Puna Ford is uh, a guy that you you look at and you and you you kind of get jealous because you're like, man, my team should have picked him up or should have seen him at camp, something. But I mean, you talk about a guy that had over two uh, had two sacks last year, uh, getting a lot of pressure, uh, like you said, over a ninety PFF grade. Um, there's a lot of things that uh those he almost reminds me I want to say I almost want to say John Randall but no that's not he's not a John Randall but he's uh in in terms of his uh his undrafted status and and, and playing as well as he is you know five five eleven 3 eleven like that's just a bowling ball in the middle there, making plays uh, and taking names so um you know a guy that uh, just as an animal uh, on the inside there for the Seahawks. And I think he's going to be he, – he could be uh, there for a long time and could be a, a main staple of that run-stopping defense um, for the Seahawks. Now, for me, Jordan Brooks is almost a question mark. Jordan Brooks, when you look at this man – like Alaria. I when I first when I first you look at PFF grades which are so misleading. Uh Jordan Brooks by the way was a former uh a former 27th overall pick from last year. Uh, had a 47.6 PFF grade. When you talk about a guy he's got the right size 6'1 245. Um there's a just looking at his 47.6 PFF grade I think a lot of people might be turned off and that's okay. I think you know PFF grades especially for players in their first year could be a little uh, you know you're almost confused or at least um, you you just look at a player uh, but I think I think he's going to make a huge leap in his second year. Um, and I think when you got a guy that uh, played uh, a little shaky and then kind of found his mark, you know, I, we, we did a video about Mikhail Walker a little while ago who uh, really played out well all season long. But those players uh, that get that that second chance, that get that, that shot in the NFL early and then come back their second year because they've learned a little bit, we could go on for days about how many players are like that. So, um, for me, Jordan Brooks, I think, is a special player uh, moving forward for the Seahawks. I mean, you think about it, they got that defensive tackle. They got Puna Ford. They've got Jordan Brooks. Um, you know, they've got some pieces on the defense, who, by the way, I think they were still one of the worst uh, pass rushing, uh, or excuse me, pass defenses in the entire NFL. But I think that's not uh, by the fault of Puna Ford or necessarily Mr. Brooks. So, um, Moving forward, the, the Seahawks got to be a little bit excited uh, about who, they, uh, who they've got. Um, I'm going to go with a bold take here for the Chiefs. Are you ready for the, for the Chiefs, my man? Yeah, go for it. I'm going to go a bold take here. This is bold take woo, woo! Get the lights going. Because I truly think uh, what I'm about to say could really upset some people. Because I have had a crush – A draft man crush, like a second round, the Vikings should have gotten type crush on Nicole Hardman for years now. We're talking about a guy, a former speedster out of Georgia. I mean, had over 20 20 yards per catch in his rookie year, scored six touchdowns in this last year, Um, was utilized a little bit more, caught 41 passes for 560 yards. I think Nicole Hardman is one of the most underrated, electrifying. And best wide receivers in the entire NFL, and I mean, I think, in my opinion, bold take time. He is what makes the Chiefs' offense so explosive. Oh my gosh, Cole! What about what about Tyreek Hill? What about Travis Kelsey? What about him? McCole Hardman, with the, how fast and how bit, how much he stretches the field. I mean, uh, I believe he also returns kicks and punts as well. Yeah. I'm telling you right now, this man is. The whole reason, uh, or at least a huge reason that he gets uh, that doesn't get the credit he deserves, yeah, had a had a punt, a couple has a has uh, had a punt return for a touchdown and a, a kickoff return for a touchdown in his last two seasons. He is what makes their offense tick so well. Uh, now it wasn't evident in the Super Bowl, but I mean it's whatever you kind of just. I think everybody was playing bad that game, and as a Vikings fan, I can I can definitely tell you I've seen that before. But McCole Hardman, in my mind is one of the most underrated playmakers in the entire NFL. Uh, once again, a former second-round pick out of Georgia. Um, runs a, a sub-4, 3-4, four, four, 240. Uh, and I mean, just, if you watch his tape, he's just electrifying. And it's it's about, I would slam this table if it wasn't glass. But it's about time someone put some respect on Mr. Hardman's name. Uh, he is absolutely, in my mind, I, I'm not going to say it again for the people in the back. He is one of the most electrifying players in the entire NFL. Uh, take the reins here, my man.
1: I agree with you. I don't I don't disagree with anything you just said about McCole Hardman. Um, 100%, one of the most electrifying players in the NFL. And it's it's just so impressive that he's that electrifying on a team with that many stars on it. Um, you wouldn't think he'd be getting so many touches. He might not get that many touches, but when he does get touches, I mean, the dude's a freak. He makes plays, and you're right. A lot of people who don't understand football maybe don't understand what you mean by when you say he stretches the field but when you have a guy like that who can play the middle and play slot and go run straight up the middle and take the attention off of your middle linebackers and one of your safeties that's huge when you have guys like travis kelsey and tyree Hill, you leave them in single coverage way more often than you want to because you have somebody in the middle you had to worry about so yeah McCole hardman's like you said severely underrated he could go to a lot, probably more than half of the teams in the NFL, and be an instant number one wide receiver. Um, yeah, dude's a freak. But if Tyreek Hill wasn't there, um, he'd be he'd be the equivalent to Tyreek Hill in my opinion. I mean, I don't think his stats would be any less. I mean, he might be a hair slower than Tyreek, but I mean, he I think he'd still have the numbers. He'd still have the touchdowns, you name it. But it'd be another player, obviously who kind of disappeared because of an injury, was uh, Clyde Everett Hilaire,
0: mm-hmm. the
1: rookie last year. That kid is special. He fits in the offense so perfectly and how Andy Reid wants to use it. He's, he's going to have a lot of numbers, whether it's receiving yards, touchdowns. I don't know. He's going to get used a lot this next year, for sure, coming off his injury. I'm, I'm excited to watch him play at his full potential. That's going to be a special player. Even running the ball, I was surprised for his size how hard he can hit, and mm-hmm. how hard he hits the hole with how much. He's authority. a bullet ball. He really is. He is. He's special. Um, he's like a shorter AJ Dillon, but
0: yeah. <laughs> or a shorter Eddie Lacy. Just well, God, I mean, yeah, yeah. Doesn't uh, I? The only thing I would say about uh, that he doesn't do uh, is <sighs> health issues are kind of a thing. That was like I know I missed a couple of games, but you're right. He's a special player uh and i think if he can stay healthy for uh because everybody's gonna say oh he missed a couple games in his rookie year you know that's not really necessarily a health issue but i mean you miss games so at the end of the day no you're right he is he's a fun player to watch i just put a video out of him i asked if he's a top 10 running back i think he is uh in terms of all around game not necessarily overall career right now but i think in terms of everything um but uh yeah my man i i think that's all we had anything else you want to add uh before we get out of here
1: I don't think so. I had one other player from Kansas City, who right, I thought was uh, Legarius Sneed, the safety from mm-hmm. Louisiana. They drafted in the fifth, fifth round or sixth, a uh, fourth round pick last year. Sorry, uh, he didn't play a whole lot, obviously. But I think that's a player who's going to be very good. Legarius Sneed, be on the lookout. I think he's going to be an all pro. Um just watching his college tape from Louisiana. I believe it was Louisiana. I, I remember I was at a bar and there was a game on and he made a I think he made an interception. He did some play, but I was like, that kid's probably gonna be a first round pick. Those were really good ball skills. And for him to go in the fourth round, I thought it was travesty. But then again, I didn't see a whole lot of his college tape, but he's got the raw skills and the talent. I think he's gonna be a really special player.
0: Yeah. I'm looking at it right now, seventy two point nine PFF grade in his rookie season, had three picks Yeah, man, this guy is – I mean, just looking at him, kind of go through some of his college stats here. Um, Legereus Sneed, uh, I think – and this is kind of the fun part. This is why we brought these kind of things up, uh, to be able to look at some of these players, look at how they did. So, I mean, in college, you look at a guy who had eight total career interceptions, uh, had a couple of two-and-a-half sacks, uh, also housed three of those interceptions – uh, had a total of over 120 total tackles, uh, solo, 177 total, excuse me. Um, yeah, I, it's 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 kind of fun when you see those players that go in the third or fourth rounds that, you know, so many people may doubt it, whether it's because of injury or whether it's because of size issues, but they end up handing out in the NFL and they go to a good team in the Chiefs. So, yeah, that's a good find, my man. Um so uh, we're actually going to get out of here, man. It's, it's always good doing an episode with you, and we're getting closer to the draft, so we some of this stuff won't be as hard to come up with, and uh, you know, just kind of uh, put together. So, man, I, I appreciate you coming on.
1: Yeah, it was fun. I think on draft night we should do a, a live stream.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We will definitely do a live stream on draft night because there's there's too much to talk about, too much to do. Uh, that really we we'll have to touch on everything. So, um, you know, uh, once again, before we get out of here, make sure you guys like and subscribe down below. Leave a like. And a comment as well as uh, make sure you guys uh, also check out our website at the SportsBP, uh, sportsbpodcast.com, and follow us on all social media platforms at the SportsBP. So, uh, uh, other than Facebook, clearly. But uh, make sure you guys don't go out there, have a great night, and make sure y'all, as always, from this channel, peace out.